This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. May 20, 2020. Mortgage applications were up 0.3% last week. This week they were down 2.6% compared to the prior week. Purchase applications were up 6%, while refinance applications were down 6%. So while people are looking to buy a home, uh, fewer people are looking to refinance, which to me is just really hard to believe, considering yesterday's rate was... Well, this was for... This report was for the week of May 15, but even so, the week ended at 3.09% on the 30-year mortgage. So I guess it could be a, a situation where everybody who wanted to refinance has pretty much already done so, but uh, certainly still room to do so. Today's mortgage rate, 3.04%. Just uh, just incredible. We're probably going to go, We very good chance we could go below 3% on a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. That would just be something else. That is the only economic release for today. The stock market was was up 330 points uh, to a 10-week high uh, based on uh, the fact that both Target and Lowe's had upbeat earnings reports, and investors are focusing on the fact that more and more businesses are reopening. And uh, if I could just say one little note for myself here, I actually live under a flight zone, and generally speaking, uh, when, you know, in normal times, there's a lot of planes that fly over my head. Over the last two months, there have been very few planes f- flying over my house. But just in the last two or three days, I've noticed that there are a lot more jets flying over my house than than there was, uh, you know, since this pandemic started. So that tells, that's another sign, that's reading the tea leaves, that's another sign that the economy is picking up. Good news. Also, the Senate approved the Holding Foreign Companies Accountable Act, which seeks to force Chinese companies to adhere to U.S. securities law, ultimately by barring barring many from listing shares on U.S. exchanges or otherwise raising money from American investors. The bill still would need to pass the Democratic-controlled House of Representatives before reaching the president's desk to be signed into law. A few notes on a video about gig workers, which more and more people are doing, which is basically you're not you're basically self-employed. You're not working for a company. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, in, uh, unemployment benefits uh, for which gig workers are now eligible are taxable income, so you need to remember that. You also need, if you're just starting out uh, a new uh, job as a gig worker, you also need to understand that you have to keep track of your income and expenses, and you have to set aside money for taxes, since uh, taxes are not withheld from your from your, your pay, and you need to pay those taxes quarterly. And also keep in mind, tax day has been pushed out to July 15th from April 15th, so most of that stuff, most of you already knew, but if you didn't, now you do. All right, uh, and when you when you keep track of your income and expenses, uh, you know, you really need to do that on a daily basis. Uh, I wouldn't even put it off for a day. Don't just do it on the weekend or something. You need to do it on a daily basis. All right, and one quick note here. Some states are saying there's no return to normal economic activity unless a vaccine is available. And there was one quote, I believe this was from... Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, we need a vaccine and we need to have mass quantities available. 
where we need to be able to test and be able to acknowledge that we've got some immunity that's built up. We're not there yet, and until that happens, I think all the organizers of these sports leagues understand how important it is that we act responsibly. Well, I got news for you. It's pretty difficult to get herd immunity with everybody locked in their house. Pretty much impossible. And if a vaccine isn't going to be available for another 12 to 18 months, are they going to be keeping people... You know, and businesses uh, locked down for another year? Oh my gosh. I mean, that's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. People are going to rise up and fight back. They already are. And uh, if this goes on much longer, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, see uh, Whitmer and some of these other governors that are hanging on to these lockdown measures far too long uh, be recalled. Uh, this is just getting nasty. Real, real nasty. If you live in Michigan, I feel sorry for you. Uh, okay, let's see here. Now, a couple of days ago, I saw a webinar on uh, labor market trends, and this was really interesting because one of the people who spoke was from uh, ZipRecruiter, and she said that uh, she expects about it's going to take about seven years to get back to pre-pandemic employment levels. Seven years. I don't know about that. I'm thinking maybe three or four. One one of the other presenters said three or four. But she did say that on average we have about two million jobs created each year. And we lost 10 million jobs in the pandemic. Probably more actually, but who knows based on all the different uh, combinations of unemployment and pay and working people are doing but let's just say we we lost 10 million jobs and we create 2 million jobs a year so by that by that math that's 5 years so to to get to get back to 10 million jobs so i guess you know um it really obviously it all depends on how fast we bounce back and how many uh jobs are permanently lost and how many businesses go out of business so i hope it's not 7 years uh, that would just be awful she also says employers will have the upper hand and no longer need to offer training because there's so many people that are looking for jobs now. They can they can have the pick of the litter. They can pick just the absolute positively top-notch best candidates that are ready to come in and work on day one. No training needed. And I find I've found it very very difficult to find employ, uh, companies that offer training um, even before the pandemic. Uh, that kind of went by the wayside many years ago. Uh, 20 years ago, you could you could get a job and a company would bring you on, they'd train you, and you'd learn the job, and then what you didn't learn in training, you would learn on the job while you were doing the job. These days, nope, no training. Uh, it's just incredible, and companies really need to start doing that because what you need to know to do a job is absolutely very, very different than what you learn in college or, or uh, university or any kind of uh, any kind of uh, economic setting. It's different for the trades. The trades are, you know, if you want to be a plumber or, or a construction worker or something like that, you go to those schools, you learn the job, and then you do the job. College is very different. College is all about the mind. There's, it's college is not about building skills. College is about the mind. And uh, I have a whole other thing I want to say about that, but I'll just leave that for another day. But uh, it's, it's you know, colleges need to start thinking more and more like trade schools or they are going to go out of 
business because there are so many people that are actually learning skills online for free right now, even before the pandemic. That's what I've been doing for the last several years is learning skills online for either free or for very little, you know, $20 a month or something like that. And those are skills. Those are not, uh, that's not knowledge. That's skills that you can put to use right now. So, um, I really believe that uh, both universities and companies need to get back to training their employees. Be very helpful for everybody. Or universities need to get back to uh, tr uh, teaching skills, and employers need to be training employees. That's what I meant to say. Okay, so now on to the slides themselves. Uh, first one I wanted to share was. Uh, this is interesting. The diffusion index, which is basically if it's above 50, more industries are seeing uh, job um, job increases. And if it's below 50, more industries are seeing job losses. And at the at the the height of the reset, the Great Recession, this index was at 15.5. So very, very low. In other words, a lot of industries are seeing job losses. The index for this most recent reading was 4.8, almost four t or almost three times worse than in the financial crisis of a decade ago. So that just goes to show you how widespread the job losses really have been. And <clears throat> excuse me again. Job openings on ZipRecruiter fell 48% since mid-February. That's pretty incredible. Jobs on ZipRecruiter since April compared with 2019. Travel and tourism down 59%. Arts and entertainment down 50%. Childcare down 49%. Loading and stocking down 8%. Finance up 4%. Software up 17%. And nursing up a whopping 47%, obviously because of the pandemic. Uh, but there's been some encouraging signs. Uh, new subscribers, reactivations, and new jobs posted have all been trending up since, looks like, March 23rd. New subscribers and reactivations are trending up faster than actual new jobs posted, but they're all trending up since March 23rd, so that's great news. Uh, there's our also other glimmers of hope. Our gasoline demand is picking up. More tenants paid May rent on time. App requests are going up as people are starting to get out of their house and go places again. Mortgage applications are up and fast food restaurant demand is up. <clears throat> Some of the main companies that are hiring right now are Amazon, Shipt, and uh, that's S-H-I-P-T, and Oracle, also Uber Eats, Walmart, and Lowe's. So those are some of the main ones that are hiring right now. <clears throat> Pardon me, another frog in my throat today. Where do these frogs come from? My goodness. Uh, likely long-term labor market trends include firm deaths that have accelerated, uh, including retailers, restaurants, malls, and movie theaters. Firm consolidation and labor market con concentration are rising, and job seeker, job seeker leverage is quickly being eroded. Uh, that's very, very true. Supply far outweighing demand for labor. Will COVID-19 uh, questions, uh, will COVID-19 cause automation to accelerate? Uh, I'm pretty sure it will. Will COVID-19 cause boomers to retire early? Maybe. Then again, maybe not if they lost a lot of money in the market uh, in their retirement accounts. Uh, 
Um, how dramatically will COVID-19 change consumer tastes and firm habits? Well, they've already dramatically changed in some areas. Uh, the question is how long will those, you know, will it be just temporary or permanent? And another presentation here. Uh, let's see. Uh, job losses or percent of workers losing a job since March 1. Uh, by sex, uh, about 13% women, about 8% men, and by education, high school diploma or less, about 15%. Some college, slightly less than that. Um, AA or AS, it looks like about 10%. Uh, BA or BS is 8%, and advanced degree, 6%. Okay, uh, the U.S. payroll strategy, the payroll production program, $670 billion in loans to small businesses convertible to grants, employee retention tax credit, $90 billion, encourages furloughs over layoffs or bu for businesses, pandemic unemployment insurance measures, $260 billion in expanded unemployment insurance eligibility and emergency top-up payment of $600 a week through July 31, and stimulus checks, $290 billion in one-time payments to low- and middle-income tax units. Uh, a max of twelve hundred per adult and five hundred per child. <clears throat> the uh, interesting thing here: the payroll programs are concentrated in quarter two. So, unemployment insurance, stimulus checks, the PPP, and employee employee retention tax credit are all uh, stacked up, uh, and it's about that comes up to about twenty five percent of total disposable income. Uh, twenty five percent of quarter four twenty nineteen disposable personal income. Uh, in quarter two and quarter three it'll only amount to about seven percent and in quarter four less than five percent so it's all pretty much front-end loaded in the quarter two so that suggests that uh, you know <laughs> uh, unless another bill is passed we really need to open up businesses and get people back to work otherwise uh, the economy is going to stall again um, Five broad policy priorities, public health, uh, extension, and modification, extension and modification of unemployment insurance, extension of small business aid, state and local assistance, and macro stimulus targeted at 2020, second half, and 2020, 2021. That's what this uh, presenter suggested. And it says, as of, uh, let's see, almost Almost uh, 100% of GDP was locked down in April and early May, and as of May 18th, about 32%. So about a third of GDP remains locked down. Interesting. Uh, let's see here. We have some fiscal and labor mini-cliffs coming up. According to this chart, in mid-June, the first co cohort of PPP borrowers, borrowers will exhaust eight weeks of expense coverage, unless it's renewed or extended. Uh, on June 30th, the deadline for PPP borrowers who want full forgiveness to rehire back to pre-pandemic FTE levels, full-time employee levels. Uh, so that's, that's also the deadline is June 30th, if you want full forgiveness. Um, July 31, $600 a week federal unemployment insurance top-up expires. So that's interesting. So people who are getting paid more to sit at home, 
they're not going to be getting that extra 600 bucks anymore starting in August. And ongoing is final paper stimulus checks sent out by the Treasury. Fiscal impulse from checks will fade over the summer. Uh, this next chart says that there's no sign yet that un that expanded unemployment insurance is a drag on hiring. Um, I can't really go through this chart because it's there's a lot of math on it. So uh, just uh, shows a regression. I won't go through that, but it basically says that um, unemployment insurance is not dragging down hiring right now. Interesting. I, um, I, I, I'm not so sure that I necessarily agree with that, but um, that's what the data shows. So, state, state and local cuts can drag down economic growth. Um, so this chart shows that the effect of state and local spending uh, will. If we have more state and local spending, obviously the economy will do better. Uh, effective federal spending in taxes uh, has helped as well. Tax cuts, state and local facilities, state and local state and lo states and localities. Goodness gracious, states and localities are facing massive shortfalls, saying about 512 billion dollars is needed in additional funding for states and localities. That's half of what uh, the Democratic House bill is calling for. They're calling for a trillion dollars. States are saying they only need $512 billion. They want to give twice as much. Why? Well, you can figure that out. And a forecast from the Congressional Budget Office, which is supposedly nonpartisan, uh, for real GDP, gross domestic, gross domestic product, the percent change at an annual rate is expected to be a negative 39.6 in the second quarter, positive 23.5% in the third quarter. So that to me, you know, um, well, that actually sounds to me like kind of what I explained uh, on one of my earlier episodes, which is a, uh, if you include 10.5% in the, in the fourth quarter, it sounds to me like either a square root shape recovery or the famed Nike swoosh shaped recovery. In other words, it's gonna it's gonna go go way down. It's gonna bounce back sharply, and then it's gonna kind of taper off a little bit. So in 2020 total, they say 5.6 percent decline, and in 2021, 2.8 percent increase in GDP. So kind of back to where we were before the pandemic hit. Okay, and just a few notes here on the agricultural sector. Uh, farm incomes are down. Uh, this is from a survey from the Minneapolis Federal Reserve Bank. Farm incomes are down from a year ago in quarter one in the ninth district, which includes Minnesota, Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. <clears throat> Spending on capital equipment and farm household purchases was also down. Uh, loan and repayment rates fell, loan renewals and extensions were increased, cropland values declined, and several livestock and slaughter plants closed, but some are reopening. And we could still see some producers go out of business. Uh, we'll see how things play play out there. So as for the numbers, 69% of lenders reported lower farm incomes, 36% reported lower household spending, 70% reported lower capital spending, 50% reported lower loan repayments, 43% reported higher demand for for loans. 
52% reported more loan renewals and extensions. And they said conditions were worse in the western part of the district uh, in North Dakota, South Dakota, and Montana. Interest rates are way down, obviously. Non-irrigated cropland values were down 2.3%, uh, but irrigated cropland values were up 1%. 75% uh, of lenders expect lower farm incomes in quarter two. 77% expect lower capital spending. 48% expect lower farm household purchases. 45% expect lower loan repayment rates. 61% expect higher loan demand. And there's tremendous uncertainty around both the economy and the forecasts for economic growth. Now on to the coronavirus. As of today, as of yesterday, the death rate was 6.51%, down from 6.55%. And that is the lowest since... Oh, wow, we're going way back here. Lowest since April 13th. Wow. Over a month. That's good news. And the fatality growth rate was 1.4%, up, up from 1.1%. For the United States, that those numbers are for the, for the world. For the United States, death rate is 5.96%. And the fatality growth rate day over day was 1.7% which is the highest we've seen in the last four days. And uh, one other thing about this is for daily deaths in the United States, we're seeing lower lows and lower highs. So the channel, uh, you know, the range of the, of the deaths is coming down. Um, but we're still seeing this... Uh, up and down on a weekly basis, you know, lowest on Sunday, highest on Wednesday, generally, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, and then it comes back down toward the end of the week again, which I find just very strange. Why I, why there would be a, a, a cyclical pattern for fatalities is beyond me. I just have no idea why that would be the case. But lower lows and lower highs, however, this past Sunday we saw... 865 deaths and that was up from 750 deaths the previous Sunday so that's the first time since early April that we've seen Sunday fatalities higher than the previous Sunday so that's not good but it's not much higher I, I, it, things are still uh, looking better on to my tip uh, number 28 for how to stay sane during unemployment Tip number 28 falls under the third commandment of try new things. Tip number 28 is try new places. Go somewhere. Get out of the house. Unless you live in Michigan and you can't even open your door. <laughs> um, yeah, go places. Go, you know, Discover new things. Meet new people. Uh, see new sceneries. And uh, get a different uh, view of the world. You know, Whether it's really far away or just down the street. If you're going running, go down a different path. If you're going biking, go down a different path. Uh, you know, um, I did that once, and I discovered a nice little um, cove on the beach that I never knew was there, all because I decided to go down a different path. That was many, many years ago. And that, it very quickly became my favorite place to go swimming, and it still, to this day, is pretty much unknown. More people know about it now, especially people with dogs, but... It's still very, very uh, quiet, hardly any people, usually about 
four or five people at the most are at that beach. And it's good swimming, nice relaxing, nice and peaceful. Unless people bring their dogs and they start throwing a tennis ball at your head. And then the dog comes up and tries to catch, you know, or um, retrieve the ball or the stick that's right next to your head. That's not pleasant. <laughs> but all because I went down a different path. So tip number 28, try new places. That's all I have for today. Please subscribe and follow me. If you like what you hear, please spread the word. Uh, look, listen to previous episodes for other tips on how to stay sane during unemployment. And tomorrow we are going to be discussing initial jobless claims. That'll be interesting to see how the labor market is faring. Philadelphia Fed Business Outlook Survey, which is basically manufacturing in the Philadelphia area. Uh, the, the PMI Composite Flash, which is manufacturing and existing home sales. And we will also get uh, the leading economic indicators report. That will be very interesting. I'm assuming that it's going to bounce back up because the stock market has rebounded very sharply over the last month. So I'm assuming we're going to be seeing uh, an increase. Uh, let me just take a look and see what happened. So the prior, hmm, well, the prior was minus 6.7% and the forecast is for a minus 5.9% decline. So while stock stock market is up, um, obviously a lot of other things are down. So, um, but that'll be an interesting number to to see tomorrow, and that'll give us an idea. This is generally a a uh, an index that looks forward about six months. Uh, the report attempts to predict general economic conditions six months out, is what it says. So, we'll be looking at that tomorrow. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe, stay sane. Thanks for listening, and have a good day. And if you can, get outside. It's just beautiful here in Minnesota. Blue skies. We don't see blue skies very much anymore. It's beautiful today. So I am going to go outside. Enjoy the rest of your day, everybody.